I am Lemuel Gonzalez, a repentant sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. Our last pair of programs, we discussed Jesus as both man and God. It's been brought to my attention another way to see him, Jesus, the figure, the icon. Recently, Sean King, writer and activist, made this unusual proposition. Quote, yes. I think the statues of the white European they claim as Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been. They are a gross form of white supremacy, created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda. They should all come down. This idea has gotten the kind of reception you might expect. Sean King has been threatened, and his idea, ironically, has been labeled as racist. So, in today's episode, we will explore the history of Jesus' image and what his idea could actually mean. People take Jesus very personally. That makes sense. You're meant to. But is the image of white Jesus a tool of white supremacy? I would say that it can be, but it didn't start that way. The image of Jesus has changed a lot over time. Early Roman images of Christ show a beardless youth, usually guiding sheep. It can be argued that this is a metaphorical Jesus, never intended to depict him as a living figure at all. Early images of Jesus were made by people who did not know him, or only knew of him secondhand. Often he is depicted in a way that was important to pagans at the time, Jesus carrying a wand to work his miracles, for instance. Some images show a very soft-bodied, almost pudgy, pale, and androgynous boy, certainly not a Jesus consistent with the hard life of a poor man who lived on handouts. The consistent image of Jesus, the way we see him now, flowing hair and full beard, was not fully developed until the 6th century. Imagine that. For hundreds of years, no one had a consistent image of Jesus. Those early pictures show a Jesus like we now know, but darker, leaner. The features are narrow and lean, and the pallor dark, and the hair dark. Jesus was represented within those confines for many years. Jesus, as Rembrandt painted him, was probably much truer to the historic Jesus than other paintings. His series on the head of Christ used Jewish models. Other depictions of Jesus represent the culture they are from. Ethiopia, an African Christian culture, depicts Jesus with typical Ethiopian features. Chinese miniatures depict a young Chinese sage as Jesus. European pictures of Jesus show a very pale man, often with fair hair and a thin beard. Now, what about Sean King's assertion? Is a European Jesus, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, a symbol of white supremacy. Let's talk about white supremacy before we can kind of get into that question. All right. The framework that we're having this conversation, in, in which we're having this conversation, began in the wake of police violence on black people. Mm -hmm. And the fire that was ignited or reignited or was at least brought to the attention of the mainstream, because it's never really gone out in black communities, uh, also brought calls and action to removing Confederate statues in the United States. Now, I don't really understand why there are so many... Conf I mean, that's a, that's a naive thing to say. I understand why there are Confederate statues in the United States, and right. they are 100% a tool of oppression. They right. are a totem to show black people specifically and people of color generally uh, and indig indigenous people probably specifically yes. as well, uh, that you are not as important as this traitorous history that we are holding so desperately to. And so, as far as I am concerned, all of those Confederate statues belong in a museum 
or in a river. That's pretty much where I'm at. Okay. Especially Confederate leaders were traitors to the country that we live in currently. There is no reason to venerate them except to indicate to your black populace that we believe what they believed, even if we didn't get our way. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So Confederate statues, out. The second round of discussion came as Confederate statues are finally being taken out from places that I... The fact that there are 11 Confederate statues in our nation's capital is bonkers bananas to me. And so hopefully that those all get removed. I understand they were all over the South. They're also here in California. For some bizarre reason. For right. some bizarre because reason. They, the South played absolutely no part whatsoever in... As a but of, of course right. there are sympathizers. There are always, well, there are always sympathizers. sympathizers. But the, as a person who's people were the original Californians. Mm -hmm. No, the, it's insulting. The yes, and and all that is is right. to serve to a reminder to your black populace that they are not right as venerated as these terrible ideals are. Uh so yes, take them down. I'm all for taking them down and there's not even a question in my mind that that should happen. The second round has been uh, people are labeling it as an attack, but a call for pictures of the founding fathers, specifically Washington and Jefferson, to be also removed from public veneration right. uh, because both of them were very famously and without apology slave owners. Mm -hmm. uh, there are different founding fathers who were abolitionists at the time of the making of this country. They didn't have their those particular views met. Ha Hamilton is a is mm -hmm. one person who was known to speak out for abolition, but he also never wrote into any of the founding laws that black people shouldn't be owned. So you know he's not without his uh, stains as well. But there are calls for Washington and Jefferson to be similarly struck from statuary, move that stuff to museums. Once again, I'm not necessarily for the destruction of art if it's art. If it's just bad statues made by no-name artists, just as, you know, uh, as a big you know, sort of middle finger to your black populace, then mm. tear that down and throw it in a river. If it's a piece of art, put it in a museum with a plaque that says, here is a statue of a founding father, and here is all the problems with that founding father along with... But I also don't... I don't feel strongly one way or the other I, I mean, for I the founding fathers. I feel strongly enough to disagree even with the term founding father because this Fair was enough. these were people who practiced genocide. No, of course. To my people. Absolutely. And so to say, uh, you, these are the founders of our country, these were also the people who led the end of a civilization. Absolutely. Several of them. Right, which is um, why when I don't feel strongly, I feel like mm -hmm. what I should do is step aside for the people who do feel strongly. Right. And if there is a large call from the American populace to get rid of these things, to rename schools and, and streets and mm -hmm. cities, Columbus might be Flavortown one day. <laughs> uh, Christopher right. Columbus is also another one who was, yes, he just incited well, the genocide. We just, uh, here in, in uh, the Bay Area, tore down one of his statues. Oh, I yes, believe. I believe that's correct. It was taken down. Uh, um, but so yeah. so because of the founding fathers, I don't stand firmly one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But my then as a white woman who doesn't really have a dog in this fight 
directly. Mm-hmm. I stand aside and stand behind the Americans who do. And if they want that to happen, then I support that. Right. Then this sort of third wave came with Sean King calling out Christ right. <laughs> and images of Jesus. See, and this is where I I think as a person of color who's also a Christian, mm-hmm. I've never regarded, in point of fact, in the churches I've been in, there's always a healthy amount of humor about the image of Christ as a blue-eyed, blonde-haired man. Now, in your churches, was he? No, because we didn't have images of Jesus around. Oh, okay. They were Protestant. And you see that mostly in the Catholic Church. Interesting. Okay. Um, mind you, it was often acknowledged that, as I said, when you went to an Orthodox church, a Greek Orthodox church, Jesus looks different. Right. You go to a Russian Orthodox church, he will look different. Okay. And so that's why I brought up Rembrandt, because that to me was always a standard of what Jesus would look like, because he used, he lived in the Jewish portion of of his city, Mm -hmm. used Jewish models to represent Jesus. Yeah. So his figures of the head of Jesus, those studies look very much like a Jewish man. He's He's pretty fair-skinned, but he is dark of eye and hair. Right. And he also has Jewish features. He's, um, this is, and so that's why he used that model repeatedly. I thought there was, that was actually a very good idea. Oh, this could be what Jesus looks like. Mm-hmm. Where the representation changed hundreds of years ago, nobody's quite sure, or at least nobody that I've read, none of the resources i read is quite sure. Some people claim it was the veneration of objects like the sacred shroud, which also show a man with longer hair, but again, very Semitic looking features. He does not look like a European. Um... The practice was mainly to make Jesus more accessible to people in whatever area that they lived in, which is why Jesus can be Chinese or Jesus can be Ethiopian. Right. Now remember that there's a rule for Jews in the Ten Commandments not to make any graven images. Right. They are not going to make statuary. And so those Jewish Christians, for the first period of time, did not make any images of Jesus. Okay. Or even describe Jesus. Mm-hmm. And again, as we've discussed, uh, the early church was filled with people who actually remembered Jesus. The earliest description of someone, the like the resurrected Christ or Christ, comes from the book of Revelations. And it describes a person with bronze skin and fleecy hair that's snowy white. Oh. Um, so and, like a like a black... Like almost like, like a very a, snowy afro, as oh, a matter of fact. Um, I like this image. And very, of Jesus. very dark, dark skin. It says his skin was like bronze, and that he. Uh, uh, it's again speaking of Christ, the resurrected Christ, as the, as God, rather mm-hmm. than Jesus the man. So we still have that sort of difference in what was he like when he was alive. Well, mm-hmm. he certainly wasn't blonde. Mm-hmm. He certainly didn't have blue eyes. Right. Um, that much we can tell for certain. And Sean King makes a very good point. He makes that point and a few others. For instance, Jesus, as he points out, his family, when they were, when he was escaping the persecution from Herod, flees to Egypt. Egypt. He wouldn't do that if he was a Christian man. Right. right. Or the fact, another point that Sean King brings up, which is actually very good, is that Judas has to point out which one of the, when he's turning Jesus over to the temple guards in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he has to go and kiss him on either cheek and give him a formal greeting so that they know which one of these dark-skinned men it is. Right. So Jesus in no way stood out from uh, other people at his time. Now, here's a question. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's only one depiction or if uh, that I have just supplanted in my brain with all the depictions I've maybe ever seen uh-huh. of Jesus and the disciples as white men 
with Judas being the lone black man? Is that just from like Jesus Christ Superstar, or is that a standard thing that I has don't been remember portrayed? seeing one like that? Oh, okay. I'm sure that it exists somewhere. I'm sure that there is enough of uh, a cultural slant where you could that somebody makes that depiction. Okay. Um, but not that I remember. Carl Anderson plays. It must just be right. that. But I just remember him being the only black man. Right. In the group, and then he was the evil one, and I was like, "What are we doing here? This right. feels gross." So I, I think that it's King brings up a very important point, but I think that his remedy for the situation might be going too far. Yes. So I mean, the Jesus as European would also mean that we take down or that the image of uh, Leonardo da Vinci's picture. See, but I I or, don't. Okay, so that's that's sort of uh, where you and I have a split here. I think what he's talking about is in America. Right. First no, of all. no, no. There, that's not a split. I would agree with you here that it's used differently. He's talking because he's only. I mean, he can't say uh-huh. to the whole world, "This is what you should do." Right. He's talking as a black man living in America. This is what should be done to rectify some systemic racism in mm-hmm. the United States. And I can't disagree with him, right? right. But also. You know, outside people going into a church and destroying their images of their sacred things is how you erase a culture. So well, yes. it's how cultures have been erased. In and the if past. Jesus was there strictly to promote white supremacy or this white Jesus was used that way, then that probably would deserve to be destroyed. However, this is a practice called iconoclasm. Right. And so when we go to. Parts, for instance, parts of the world where Buddhism spread and Islam attempted, or Islamic radicals, let's say that, because there were zealots, right. defaced all the Buddhas, right. which were hundreds of years old. That's It's a great loss to us. To, you know, you're walking around in to Afghanistan, there's yes. a giant headless statue. But, <laughs> but, that's not that. even, but what I'm right. saying, too, is we know right now that there are evangelicals yes. who are white supremacists. Actively, yes. Okay, so we know that that's true. So say we target a an evangelical white supremacist church here in California, because I yes. promise you that is a thing. Yes, it is. If you and I went in there and uh, tore down their white Jesus, it would do nothing. No, absolutely nothing. It would do absolutely No, nothing. actually, it would do something. It would encourage people. Because it would. It would inflame them statements. as being right. victims, Right. which that is a mentality that that group of people clings to, clings to yes. so desperately. I mean, we... we and did, it would change... We have discussed nothing. how, when we're talking about fundamentalism, there's a constant assertion that they are under attack all yes. the time, even though there is a church on every corner. There yes. is a... There are so many denominations of Christianity, Protestant Christianity. And and the the constant, you're stopping me from practicing practicing Christmas, you're stopping my faith is always just us stopping them from being prejudiced against some group. That's all it is. I I think that, and it's ridiculous. Like I said, growing up, again, as a person of color, I saw ridiculous portrayals of Jesus that just were silly, and some of them were created by non-white artists, which made it even stranger. And I think that's where the the trouble comes from, which is the spread of white-centered Jesus to Mm -hmm. other parts of the world uh, via the mission field. Yes. 
That's a yes, problem. Yes, that is a problem. I remember the actor Robert Powell, who played Jesus in Jesus of Nazareth, which okay. is a very good film, by the way. But he played, uh, to Franco Zifferelli's mind, a very medieval-looking Jesus. He was fair-skinned, but he still was very Jewish in character. Um, and they emphasize that in this particular film. Mm -hmm. But how horrified the actor was to find that there were shrines with his picture as an idealized yeah, European Jesus in places that he'd visited in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And so he was uncomfortable with the fact that he was being venerated as the face of Jesus. And secondly, that in other cultures he's being venerated, who, people who didn't know that he was an actor simply just took it, this is what Jesus looked like. So so in that case, mm -hmm. I would argue that though that is a tool of white supremacy. Right. Especially if you're going into Africa. Right, or India. Or India, yes. or, or various parts of Asia. Right. And presenting your Messiah as a white man. Right. I would argue that those are tools of white supremacy. But those are in places that we can't get to. Because once again, we we shouldn't have a say over how another culture practices their faith. Right. Right? We could stop, we we could try and stop missionaries now from continuing that, because I'm sure it's still happening. Yeah, but how do you do that? You plead with them to knock it off. Well, I mean, you're, them, you're you appealing to the better nature of people change. who don't actually, often don't, against the teachings of the religion themselves, don't have a better nature. Then I would offer that they... Uh, are now heretics and are, are and are no longer able to missionize under the flag of Christianity. And it depends on what what uh, organization they're affiliated with, because there are some people that we've seen, like when we talked about the history of the Southern Baptists, there were a lot, there was a turn from Southern Baptists under Martin Luther King to Southern Baptists under Jerry Falwell. Right. And so you're thinking, how on earth were those two ever the same thing? How did that come from the same body? But... I, I think the issue is that... Is it that there's not enough people in charge? Is I think it... it's the leadership. I think it's the people who uh, are able to basically sway the the direction of of a, a particularly a Christian movement. And the problem is that they... Like, for instance, what fundamentalism does here is it often just uses Jesus as the, again, the image to say we're doing this in Jesus' name when this has nothing having to do with the teachings, the ideals, or right. the faith. Right. Um, what I moved, I was telling you about earlier, is I think that the idea of becoming iconoclast and just defacing the statues or breaking the statues is kind of, is the wrong way to go. It's the wrong way to go, and it's not going to change right. anything. All they're going to do is replace their white Jesus with an, right. another white Jesus. So, My idea is, instead of effectively just smashing all these images, you smother them because there are so many ways to represent Jesus Christ. This people. is sort of what I was thinking. Was right. was for faithful to go to artists yeah. and faithful artists to come which forward. Are, which there are many. I'm yes. sure. Yeah. And say, let me create for you, individual church, right. an image of Jesus that is more in line with Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And then we have voices, artists being heard, uh -huh. um, and art being made right. that then can bring a community together around mm -hmm. it that isn't, yes, this white patriarch right. looking at you every 
and every week. I can understand that at some point in the past that brought comfort to people in Europe to think that Jesus looked like them. As a matter of fact, that was a common practice. You would see the Roman soldiers, for instance, in medieval art are wearing the costumes of the local constabulary right. often right. because they would just kept trying to re-envision it as something that was happening contemporary with their time and right. their place. So there's a lot of that. And so that's why I said some of these depictions were not meant to be tools of oppression originally. They were meant to be some sort of comfort to people to use recognizable symbols and costumes and images. And what, I, I, I don't know how often Jesus was actually probably based on a local community leader. Right. Even. Yeah. There's, Which is a, a way for that leader right. to get... I mean, but that I'm is a little of the, bit of a tool of oppression on that. Their uh, own part. The artist... Let me look that up really quick. So, well... While you're looking that up, uh-huh. I want to real quick just address the ludicrous uh-huh. accusation that what Sean King has has called for is racist. And I want to give a little primer on the difference between racism and bigotry and prejudice, because at least when I was in elementary school through high school, all the way up through 1998, so anytime we were talking about racism, racism was always taught to me as being person-to-person prejudice, the N-word, things like this. Right. Okay. That's not what racism is. It's a, I was basically lied to, <laughs> um, and I think many, many millions of people were lied to about what racism is. So me calling you a racial slur is racist, but what it is is bigotry. It's prejudice. Uh, and it's one person. Racism is a, the system, the structure that is put in place currently in the United States, systemic racism, mm-hmm. you may have heard the term, that ha- permeates since the Declaration of Independence all the way down through right now, uh, systems of slavery followed by Jim Crow, mm-hmm. followed by redlining, followed by the, you know, school-to-prison pipeline of denying full freedom to the black population of the United States and all of the rights and privileges that go along with that. Mm -hmm. The, The lack of inherited wealth in black communities because soon as black communities started getting wealthy, we're going to go ahead and kill all of them mm-hmm. and redistribute that wealth. So there are fewer black millionaires because there are fewer, there's fewer, there's Economic prosperity was squashed. And that, and, and yes. we want to emphasize Repeatedly. that when I say people of color, I also mean that happened just a few miles away from where we live. Yes. Oakland Chinatown was burned to the ground. Yes. When yes. it became prosperous. It's, um, it's systemically, this country is systemically racist, specifically against black people, but mm-hmm. also against anyone who Indigenous isn't white. People, uh, and Asian whiteness people, has people. changed. Yes. Irish people weren't always white in this country. Italians, Italian people Polish weren't people. always white in this country. Right. Polish people were not always white in this country. When it started, you know who was white in this country? English people. Right. The end. And Germans. And Germans, but they even got... Right. Until there were enough of them, they stayed in their own communities. And as a white person, to to America, the most important thing about what I am is white. To me, the least important thing. What would you say is the most important thing about what you are? About what I am is being white. 
I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I, I it's but interesting because that's a I don't question to hold raise. my whiteness uh-huh. in any any sort of esteem, and part of that is you know part of that is probably that I was raised very poor. Uh-huh. Um, I was fortunate that I was you know I was a trailer park baby, but not a not a racist trailer park baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I don't recall my parents ever blaming our poverty mm-hmm. on people of color. They had their problems. And I'm sure that they said racist things. Yeah. But I honestly don't don't recall that being a mantra in our house. And it definitely could have been. Right. And so like my identity was never tied up in my race. See that that's interesting and and this is why conversations like this um, fascinate me really mm-hmm. because I would like my ethnicity not to be the most important thing that defines me. Yeah, and it is mm-hmm. because I keep getting judged on it. Mm-hmm. I remember recently, about a year ago, I took a trip with a friend, and she and I were uh, wandering around a, a Spanish-style mission house, and I was—we were making jokes the whole time that you know Adobe smells like. Corn tortillas basically is what it does. So everything does it like it when does. it gets hot, when it gets warm. Right. So we were out there in the sun in Sacramento. No, no, it wasn't Sacramento. What was it? Anyhow, and this this place got very warm. We're walking around this you know compound, and there was a man there with his son, and he did what keeps happening to me, which is what 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 are you? Mm-hmm. And I, I was very friendly about it, and my friend was surprised she was that I was so friendly about it. Because I've been asked this question 10,000 times, right. but it's interesting that no one, that's the first thing that somebody who doesn't know me, and typically white people as opposed to, you right. know, will go with that. You know, whether it's, you know, I'm sitting in a bar waiting for the bathroom and somebody in line goes, what are you? Mm-hmm. Which has happened to me too. And I'm like, and, I mean, after 9-11, I know because you are sort of ethnically ambiguous, right. you got a lot of hate yes. because people thought you were... Yeah, Middle there were Eastern. police following me. Somebody threw a. This young man walked up, and he had like a, like a flyer uh, about defending Israel from Palestinians, and he scrunched it up and threw it at me, and I literally had to have a friend hold me down because I was like, it was a yeah. young, very blonde white kid, uh-huh. and and she just yeah, don't 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 yeah, this they, isn't gonna go to well for this. you. Yeah, well, it's gonna go worse for him, but well, yes, it'll go pretty it bad for me. Yes. Um, because there's no, I'm always going to be seen as the other or the enemy. Right. And, and in, especially in speaking about police, we both know that yes. I stopped counting it 14 times, being racially profiled, being stopped, being everything short of being handcuffed. But even breaking up a, a robbery, yes. I was stopped and the robber was asked, you know, who was a white man, you know, is was asked by the police, you? is this man bothering you? So I've had a lot of that. Yeah. But I would love it to be that that's not the first thing that people right. look at. And I do, there's so much else that's a, that defines me. Of course. And I don't really think about it this way, but I constantly have to explain to people, and it's tiresome. Yes, it I, really, I can it's, imagine. It, it's yeah. exhausting having to explain to people. And, and you know how many times I've had to explain myself to right. somebody? Zero. Zero yeah. times. Nobody, even with my weird-ass name, right. nobody has ever asked me what I am. Yeah. Uh, and I would also like to clarify that just because my whiteness is not important to me mm-hmm. does not mean that I 
quote unquote don't see color because I also <laughs> think that that is a gross <laughs> thing to say to somebody because if you don't see color or right. if, you, if you claim to not see color, what you're saying is I am erasing your lived experience. Yeah. And I and I have no concept that your lived experience would be different than my lived experience, which is lazy and ugly and yeah. it's it's heinous and I hate when people say that <laughs> well, shit. Technically, <laughs> that stuff. I don't see some colors, mostly purple. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, green. you have I'm, literal color blindness. But, but like um, I know my black yeah. friends are black and right. live as black people in the world. I know right. that my Latin friends are Latin and live as well, Latin but the friends thing like is, in the that's world. That's the like, frustrating part is having to live that way. I was helping a friend move. She lived in uh, Fremont. I was helping her move and she's giving me a ride from the BART station to her house. And just a few blocks away from where she lived, there was a person flying an enormous Confederate flag. Ugh. And and I looked at it and she saw the look on my face and she goes, oh, but she's a really nice person. Nah. And I'm thinking, no, she's not. She's really nice to you, but mm-hmm. she wouldn't be really nice to me. There's, there's no excuse to... Those two images don't go together. Nope. And the tolerance for it also surprised me. This person's not as close to me as they used to be. I'll, I'll put it that way. As but a I friend. think a lot of people, especially white mm-hmm. people, we, we are woefully under-equipped mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Right. Uh, these conversations scare us. We get very defensive. Right. About what I'm not quite sure, because like I said, I do not hold my whiteness in, like, it's not fragile. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere, right? Even, I'm, I'm not having kids, so I'm not making more white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I don't feel like I need to pass my whiteness on. Yeah. Right now, I want to use it to stand between people of color and the police. That would be nice, because generally the police don't like me. Well, generally, no, I've never really had a good encounter with the police. Neither have um, I. As a 40-year-old white woman, mm, I've never had a good but I mean, the, the encounter best, with the police either. But And I, I always go back to this, the having a female white friend who, when we were having discussions about our past, uh, she had a police officer pull a gun on her because she was joyriding in a stolen car. And I had a police officer pull a gun on me because I was sitting in a public fountain. And I yeah. asked, why I'm not, well, why do I have to move? Because they, they told me to move. So the same reaction for two completely different things. And the fact that there's a level of suspicion on me automatically no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would, I'd never want to be white and that sounds like I'm, you know, being bigger than myself, but I I wouldn't know what to do with that kind of ease in the world anyhow. But I love what I am. I just don't understand why it's so important to everybody else what I am. Right, right. And I, I don't understand why I have to make this mental calculation. I recently had a coworker at my current job tease me about what she felt was my accent. She's like, dude, where'd the accent come from? And I, what I'm like, accent is that? what accent is that? She's like, yeah, accent. You talk with an accent, you know? And then she started sort of mocking this kind of uh, upper class English accent. And I'm going, I, I don't talk like that. I just no. don't talk like you. You talk with a mild disdain for the world. <laughs> but, which, which is a very accurate like read in, on your part. In certain Contact right. That is, it's your what I realize, but it and and you use big words. Right. Well, what I realize is that to her, as a white woman, you were talking white. I was talking outside of what she expected a person who looks like me to speak like, and so I 
I don't think that she realized how bigoted that statement was. No. We... But a lot of people don't, and yeah. I think that's kind of the issue. To bring it back to the subject of what Sean King was saying, though, yes. is that, which is all of what we discussed is, of course, very important, but to bring it back to that is that that white Jesus is going to be to some people like that Confederate flag was to me. Mm-hmm. Just uh, a sign that, oh, I'm not welcome here. Right. And, and, so, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I walked into a church and saw the whitest, because some of them mm-hmm. look like Jewish men, pale of skin, right. but like darker. Right. That feels better to me than mm-hmm. the very blonde. And don't get these blue eyes out of here. What? <laughs> That's yeah. I know it's very. That funny. baby would have been stoned. Well, that because there's right. no way two thousand right. years I ago, I, if that blonde, blue-eyed baby was birthed right. to the woman that would have been living in this area, right. that that oh, baby would have been. <laughs> well, I I think that. I didn't, because I've had to make the mental calculation being a colored person and a Christian, that the representations of Jesus are not realistic. Mm-hmm. I had to make that. But that feels right. to me like a coping mechanism. Well, no, that not it's coping. Not really... It's just that it's not like I'm aware that there's something wrong as much as I'm just like, yeah, that happens. Kind of having to just ignore Well, I don't it. mean coping me- mechanism in a big deal, but um, it is a way for you to just try and make sense of the nonsense that you see in right. the world. And we would laugh about it. We were wa- I remember as a kid watching the film um, King of Kings and Jeffrey Hunter with his blue, blue, blue eyes and long blonde hair, and not to mention the fact that he was so young. He was so young that a reporter, a reviewer at the time, called the movie I Was a Teenage Jesus because <laughs> he looked way too young for this part. <laughs> um, and... It- and, and he was like thirty year old. Jesus. Right. I'm like but, sometimes Jesus was a was a teen. But when I was, and you look at the depiction of Jesus now, there's a film I really want to see, where Ewan, Ewan McGregor, who's yeah, ten years too ten old years too old, and too white, <laughs> too white to is, play, is playing. You know, Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's Scottish Jesus. I'm not sure what he's doing. I want him to keep his real accent. That would be right. wild because you never get to hear him with his real right. accent. It's just, it's very strange. Or Max von Sydow, who at least was darker, but had very, very blue eyes. And so you just sort of accepted, okay, this is Jesus, but this isn't real Jesus. And this is a depiction of Jesus. And it's as unrealistic as those early pagan depictions where he's carrying for some reason a wand. I mean, go figure. You know, I'll tell you an upsetting, an upsetting thing mm-hmm. as we're sitting here. I did a Jesus Google image search, mm-hmm. and then they have like lists of other image searches, right. and God is one of them, and I clicked mm-hmm. on that one, and the images of Jesus under the God image mm-hmm. search are even whiter yeah. and brighter typically, yes. than the ones under the Jesus image search. The God image, as we were talking about how like the early pagans lifted Im- they lifted pagan images to use to represent Jesus because they did not know they, as I said, didn't see Jesus, they didn't know Jesus, they were trying to incorporate images from their own culture that they felt would represent someone like Jesus. I think that maybe Christianity should have stuck with Judaism's no idols. Well, they did, but again, it was spread to the Gentile culture. So the vision of God that you often get is the image of Jupiter or Zeus. They're doing okay, a similar image, some... long beard, white hair, zapping people from clouds. Yeah. Um, when you look at the painting in the 
the experience that you had, which I envy, going to the Sistine Chapel. Yes. Um, the Last Judgment, the painting there, God is, uh, Jesus is almost unrecognizable because he doesn't look anything like our traditional Jesus. He's a very athletic-looking young man with no beard, but he also, Da Vinci seems to be referencing Apollo or one of the other yeah. pagan gods in that image. He looks like a... Um, yeah. He looks kind of like a Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> it's like I'm looking, it's like he's really That's muscular. What I would have said. But, but, okay. but so now, to go to though to what we also said earlier, the way to change this is to have Jesus reconfigured because at this point um, we can see Jesus as what he means to us. Then we can also embrace the idea that the Jesus, Jesus the Christ is different from the way that we've been picturing him all this time. We've had an accepted image and that can change because Jesus has changed so much over time. Right. Only a lot of that change happened in the first few hundred years. So when we go back there, we wouldn't recognize that Jesus. And it might be time for changing the dynamic of what Jesus yeah. is now. When I mentioned earlier um, a film, is uh, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Pier Pasolini, Pier Paolo Pasolini, the Italian filmmaker, who's problematic in many ways, but he had done... Um, a film which had an image of Christ that was considered blasphemous within the context of the film. And the current Pope at the time, uh, Pope John XXIII, invited uh, a dialogue with Catholic and non-Catholic artists. And Pasolini was invited. Um, and so it happens, Pasolini was not able to attend the actual seminar with the Pope. He was prevented uh, by circumstances, but he sat in a hotel room reading the Gospel of Matthew. And he made a film that was dedicated to the Pope's idea to invite non-Catholic artists to find ways of representing Christ or faith in life. Pasolini was considered an atheist. It turns out he wasn't necessarily. Uh, but he was a homosexual and a Marxist. So he had things that would have put him outside of a traditional teaching. But no, this open invitation really touched him. So he makes a film about the life of Christ using non-professional actors and his own mother playing Mary, the mother of Jesus. And in that was another example of a person just using, creating within his own culture. He set it all in his hometown. Mm -hmm. He shot in the oldest buildings he found in his town. Mm -hmm. um, and the Jesus there does not look at all like our traditional Jesus either. He's a very young man with a very light beard. And again, European looking, but then the entire film is set within the context of Pasolini's own hometown. Right. I think that's the way to change the image. I think that an artist will bring to Jesus what is important to them. Right. And what is important, consequently, to the entire world, the image of Jesus. We don't know what he looked like, and that's probably a very good thing. Right? Um, I don't think that Christianity at this point can go as far as Islam did with it, refusing any interpretations of the prophet. Right. There are none. Right. Very, um, very explicitly. Right. And I think that there's going to be a multiplicity of images of Jesus represented in different ways, the same way there is for the Buddha. Um, but I, I think now is a time where what we can do is reach out to people, extend that sort of hand. And here, Pasolini created a work of art from the just the invitation that he, for the seminar that he was never able to attend. I think the same thing can happen now. 
we can see Jesus a different way, and that's the way to change it, not by taking down or smashing or destroying what we have. Right. Is just creating the and fact it, that Jesus is for everybody. It's got to come from within the churches. Right. Or it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, destroying a community's anything without them being mm-hmm. the instigators, Right. that's only going to foment anger. Like, It'll, it's not... It's not going to change anything. It will appeal to the reactionary people mm-hmm. inside of the group. And as we know, especially the evangelicals... Are very... So want to be a victim. And well, so let's not They want that. to follow the great tradition of Christian martyrs from the safety of their home in the United States of America. There are people being martyrs actively in the uh, mission fields and other parts of the world. But here in the States... We're pretty comfortable. And so to try to link yourself to that tradition by fabricating persecution as an insult to the Christians who have died, crucified upside down, set on fire, you know, raped, murdered. Um, they're never... Standing up for something other than not wearing right. a mask in a, in a, in a pandemic. Right. Like... That, it's amazing to me when you read the actual lives of martyrs, the horrible things that they went through. What is it, turn me over? You know, turn me over, I'm done on this side. (laughs) St. Lawrence, God bless him. But the horrible things that were done. Or, for instance, Martin Scorsese's film on faith, uh, the first uh, early Christian martyrs in in Japan. What was the name of that movie? The Silent? Yes. Um, That film gives you... Like, just silence. I, I think, think it's silence. just silence. But that film is horrifying at times when you see what actual martyrs endured as opposed to, I don't get to sing Christmas carols, which are not a part of Christianity anyhow. So yes, it has to come from inside. It's, I feel that, to a large degree, the change in the attitudes about white supremacy need to be done by white people and not by people of color. Well, yes. Absolutely, 100%. Um, it's our problem. Right. So I think similarly, the image for Christianity has to come from inside of the Christian churches. This will lead to a rift. This will lead to changes. Uh, But I think there's a new generation of people who are better at carrying this off. I have never been lucky enough to go into a black church. Mm -hmm. Do they have black Jesus? Uh, Some of them do. And the unfortunate part is that some of them don't. I think it's it's time. (laughs) So we are pro the idea... Anti the idea of just doing it right. to these churches. That is not... You can't force them. Yeah, and it's only going to foment discord, and it's not going to get people on the side of smashing right. white supremacy. That's what we want. We want them to understand why it's a problem, mm-hmm. and then give them good options to replace these bad icons. Right, exactly. That's what we want. No, that's a, This I, is what we're on board for. I am... As a writer, I am for appealing to artists. Mm-hmm. You know, they can change the image of the world, mm-hmm. but they just the same way that we eventually had a unified Jesus, we can change that again. Mm-hmm. Realizing it's changed so much over time, this is just another change. And as long as the teachings and the and honestly, faith is actually like, there, it doesn't matter. Stained glass windows. Like. I love stained glass windows. Right. Those are leaded pieces. Right. They get refixed all the time. Right. You could take out a face and put it in a face. Well, but see, what I mean is that we don't even have to do that. If you have 10 different images of Jesus in a church, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Yes, right. Because, yes, which is the definitive Jesus? Uh, None of these. None of them. None of them. Right. They are all 
symbols. That's Nobody all they are. Nobody who saw Jesus and is so, still around. Yes. So let's make our right. symbols look like America. Right. Actually looks not like Representing America. Representing the diversity of America. Right. Yes. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with your closest we have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook by searching withoutworkspodcast up in the search bar. All of those links are also on the website, so check that out. I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to stay inside and do something good. Everybody's got a little light. Under the sun, under the sun, under the sun.